Michelle. There you go. Man, it's great to have you here today. Welcome, everyone. My name is Omar, and I serve as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And if you are first-time guest, hey, listen, we are glad. We are honored that you're here with us, and that we hope that you're feeling loved, that you're having fun, but that you're here today from God. Amen. Can we give it up for those who came first time today? And also, I want to give a quick shout out to our teams here at Christ Fellowship, our production team. They've redesigned their stage, our worship teams, creative teams, our guest services teams, and our kids ministry. Man, and they are going above and beyond, and we are blessed to have you here with us. Well, before we dive into God's Word, let me pray for us so that we can prepare our hearts for God's Word. All right, let me pray. My God, we, it is always an honor to come together as your children to worship you, but also to hear from you, oh God. My Lord, we want to hear from you. So Father, open up our hearts. Give us humility in our hearts to hear and to receive what you have for us so that we can live for righteousness and resist sin in our lives. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say, Amen. Well, listen, if you don't mind, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. I'll be reading from Romans chapter 6, verse 12, and you can follow along with me as I read. Listen to what God's Word says. So let not sin, therefore what? Rain. A little louder, what? Rain. Yeah, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. In other words, there is a struggle inside each and every one of us whether to live for righteousness or whether to live for sin. Amen? Amen. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. You know, being a child of the 80s, I was fortunate enough to, to, to grow up watching the original Star Wars films. And the reason that these films captivated people to such an extent was not only because of the cutting-edge visuals of the time, but also because of the riveting storyline. And folks, a major part of the storyline is this battle between what the film calls the Force and the dark side. And I think a character that so exemplifies this struggle between the Force and the dark side has to be that of Darth Vader. Yeah. Anybody, any fans here of Darth Vader? We got four or five people who are fans of Darth Vader here, but, but folks, don't, don't follow me here. Because Darth Vader, that wasn't always his name. In fact, when he was a young boy, his name was Anakin Skywalker. And folks, he was a young boy slave at a faraway planet, and he was rescued by these two Jedi masters who rescued him with the intention of developing him so that the Force could use him for good. And here's the truth, Anakin Skywalker had the potential to become one of the most powerful Jedis ever. In fact, some prophesied that he would be the chosen one who would bring balance to the force. And even though Anakin could use all of his abilities for the greater good, throughout the films there ensues a struggle inside the heart of Anakin, whether he would follow in the way of the Jedi or he would give in to the dark side. In fact, there is a key moment where he witnesses a Jedi master and an evil emperor going at each other. 
And you can see in that scene, which you'll see in a few moments, the inner struggle of Anakin of which side to go. And so as you watch a scene, focus in on Anakin's face. Take a look. And so folks, listen, do not miss it, because that scene right there was a critical moment in Anakin's life where he allowed, as you saw, to give in into the dark side, and the dark side became so powerful, got such a hold on his life that for the rest of his life, he would not be used for good, but he would be used for evil. And folks, let me just bring all of this Star Wars stuff over to our time together, because what an image of the struggle that we all have inside of us. And by that I mean that just like Anakin Skywalker had to face that inner struggle, right? Whether to give in to the Jedi Force or to the dark side. Just like that. And here's the big idea for this weekend as we dive into God's Word. Each of us has a struggle inside of us. And it's not whether to follow the force or the dark side, but rather it's whether we are going to live for righteousness or we're going to live for sin. And if you allow sin to begin to dominate in, in your life, listen, you're going to see every aspect of your life be affected. You'll see your family be affected. You'll see your children be affected. You'll see your hopes, your dreams, you'll see everything about your life begin to be affected the moment that you allow sin to start dominating your life. And who knows, maybe you're out there right now, one of our campuses, you're watching, and you're saying, Omar, I'm tracking with you because I have personally seen how sin in my life, whether in the small little things or in the big things of life, I've seen it, how it affects me and the people that I love. So, Omar, how can we live a life where we resist this struggle, our sinful nature, and, sinful righteous, and live for righteousness? Well, we're going to find out from Romans chapter 6, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 6, or you can open up your Christ Fellowship apps and follow along there with us. And today I have three thoughts for us on the battle that goes inside each and every one of us. Write this down. That's point number one. You first need to know that your sinful nature will always try, listen carefully, to rule you. To rule you. Now, listen to the passage for today and listen to what it says. It says, let not sin therefore, what's the word again? Reign. Reign in your mortal body and make it obey its passions. Now, stop right there and let me set up the scene for us. Because here the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and in many ways he's writing to each and every one of us. So he's writing to them, and he's helping them understand that because of the death, life, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, we not only can be forgiven of our sins, but we can now start a brand new life with the Lord. 
And even though we do have a new walk with Christ, the reality is that our sinful nature still remains with us for this earthly life. And so what Paul's trying to remind every one of us is that the sinful nature, it's not something that's passive, but rather the sinful nature is quite aggressive. In fact, if you have your Bibles open or your apps, just go ahead and mark or circle or underline the word reign there for just a moment because the word there reign in the original text, it's more of a royalty term. It, it's used to describe kingly power or when someone has such dominating effects on a person that it has highest influence over their actions. And so what Paul's warning us here is that as we pursue the Lord, not to let our sinful nature dominate us or reign in our life. And you know what's interesting about this struggle? Only those of us who are in Christ, who are believers in Christ, experience this struggle with sin. In fact, let me just give you a quick vision to help you understand. First of all, before you came to know Christ, what we see is that before we come to know Christ, we are really dominated by sin. We are completely ruled by sin. And the truth of the matter is that we didn't even know we were ruled by sin, right? We were just living life and things were normal, but we were ruled by our sinful nature. But there came a point, right, where we started our walk with Christ. And when we put our faith in the Lord and started our journey with him, at that point, Scripture is very clear that now we are free from sin. Yeah, we have been set free from the eternal consequences of sin, but while we're here on this earth, we still struggle with this sin. This is why the passage states, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, right? Your earthly bodies. And there's going to be a day when we pass away and we're going to be with the Lord. And not only will we be free from sin, but we are going to experience it in every aspect. And that's going to be a glorious day, right? No more sin, no more pain, and no more suffering for the rest of eternity. But here's what I want you to understand. The sin struggle, the struggle with sin, it only pertains to those of us who are believers in Christ. Now, when you hear that statement, you may be wondering, wait, wait, wait a second, no more. Don't unbelievers or people do, who do not know Christ, don't they also have this struggle within them? The reality is that they don't, not like the way we have it. And here's why. It's because if, if they struggle with something, it's this. It's that when God creates every single human being, he puts inside each of us his basic moral law, a basic moral law. That we all know. And he also equips every person with a conscience. So that when we violate that moral law, our conscience is telling us that we're violating that basic moral law, right? We've all experienced that. And that's what everyone struggles with. However, the moment that you come to know Christ, that you start your walk with Christ, that you are now have a new life in Christ, he's given you the spirit inside of you, you're walking with him. He also now, you, now you also understand the full knowledge of God's will. You see, you start understanding God's truth. You start understanding God's law, God's will, desire for us. And folks, that is the struggle, right? Because now we know God's truth, and we're, but we still have our sinful nature. So we're experiencing that struggle, which is unique to those who are in Christ. And you know that aspect, can I tell you, that's probably the most discouraging part of our walk, isn't it? Yes, sir. 
You know, in fact, it's interesting, the Apostle Paul, who we all admire, just a chapter later, in a moment of transparency, he shares with us his own struggles. Listen to what he says. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. Haven't you felt like that before? For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, right, in our sinful, nature, in our sinful body, that is, in the flesh. For I have the desire because of the Spirit to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So, for example, and make it more practical for us, you know, you're reading God's Word and you see that God wants us to honor our father and mother. Whether you're five years old, 40 years old, or 65 years old, we are called to honor our father and mother. But you know how it is. You get into a discussion, to a debate with your mom and dad, and guess what happens? You get into a huge argument. You end up dishonoring them in the middle of the argument, and then you walk away, what, discouraged, guilty, convicted. Or maybe you went to our love and respect marriage conference we just had re recently, and you're, the, you're a husband, and you're saying, hey, I want to be that awesome husband for my wife. I am ready to commit. You know how it feels. You're out there and then you come home on a weeknight, tired from work. And your beautiful sweet wife says, hey, can you take out the garbage? And you just keep doing what you're doing. Hey, honey, can you take out the garbage? You just keep doing what you're doing. Hey, sweetie, can you take out that garbage? It's smelly. And at that point, you say, can you stop nagging me? And, you, and, and, and that little, little thing turns into a huge fight where you start hurting each other and screaming at each other and doing all these things. And guess what? Now you feel terrible about it. Or maybe you reading God's word, you know, you know that we are to walk in purity, right? In, 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 in purity in every way. And so you want to honor the Lord in, with your sexual life. And so you are pursuing the Lord, but in a moment of weakness, you do something you don't, shouldn't do with that boyfriend or girlfriend. You look at that computer screen, you fall into temptation, and guess, then you walk away discouraged. See, folks, listen, that's the struggle we, we deal with in our daily Christian life. And so you're probably wondering, well, Omar, how is it that my sinful nature tries to take a hold of me in this, in this sense, in this battle? We'll write this down as big number two. Sin will try to rule you through deception. In fact, listen to how God's words describes it in the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Listen carefully to what it says. It says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be heartened by the what? By the deceitfulness of sin. Notice that deceitfulness of sin. In other words, in other words the, the way that your sinful nature will try to reign in your life is through deception. In fact, going back to uh, the Star Wars films, you know, before the scene that we saw earlier in the teaching, there's a moment where uh, Anakin Skywalker is having a conversation with the evil emperor. And Anakin fears that his wife Padme is going to die at childbirth. And so the evil emperor knows this, and he's going to try to use deception to try to lure him into the dark side. In fact, 
Take a look. From a Jedi, right? And so, folks, here's what happens. That was a moment where Anakin was lured into the dark side through deception. And you know what? The same thing happens with you and me when we're lured into our sinful nature. So you may be wondering, well, or Oma, what, what are some of these lies and deceptions that our sinful nature tells us? Well, write this down. That's letter A. Here's the first one. First of all, that God's grace gives room for sin. In fact, listen to what the passage says. It says, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, the Old Testament law, but under grace. What then? Here's a big question. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under the grace and the mercy of God? By no means. You see, folks, what makes the message of the gospel so powerful is that what makes us right before God is not how good we are. It's not our ritual we did when we were a child. It's not how good we perform before God. What makes us right before God is simply our faith and our trust in him. And you see, the truth is that at some point in your life, God intervened. If you are in Christ, God intervened in your life. And for the first time, he took off the scales from your eyes and you were able to see Christ for who he really is. And he gave you the ability to put your faith and trust in him. And at that moment, scripture tells us that he forgives our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. And we start now a journey with our creator, with the God of the universe. And it's an amazing journey with the Lord. Folks, somewhere along the way, because God has shown grace and mercy to us, our minds, get this, our minds makes us think, well, it's okay for us to give into a little sin. No big deal. Hey, God's grace will always be there. He will always forgive you, right? So you let go and you give into that sin. And folks, even though that is technically true, right, God will always forgive for us those who are in Christ. The reality is that that pattern of thinking allows sin to begin to take a hold of your life without you even realizing. And so what happens is in the process, what we essentially do is that we cheapen the grace of God. You know, there was a famous pastor in the, during the Second World War, during the Nazi regime, led an effort against Hitler and uh, and he eventually lost his life through all that process. But his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And while he was on this earth, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. An old book, but a really good book. And in that book, he explains the difference between cheap grace and costly grace. You see, folks, cheap grace is when someone says that they've experienced the grace of God, but your life doesn't change still living the same way. 
There's no true repentance. There's really no remorse. There's no change in your life. But he says costly grace is when you truly understand what it costs to save us. The life of the Son of God. The way that God intervened in our lives and gave us the ability to believe. And now we are on a journey and we should pursue righteousness. See, costly grace says, now my life changes. I'm going to pursue righteousness. And so listen, all child of God, be careful that the people who you work with, your schoolmates, the people that in your family, be careful that when they look at your life, that they don't see cheap grace. That they see costly grace. That when they look at their life, they see the amazing blessing to walk with the Lord. How it changes our lives. How something changes in us the moment that we are walking with the Lord. Amen? amen. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So, hey, child of God, be careful that the people around you don't see the grace of God as the cheap grace of God. And that's the first lie, right? That the grace of God allows us to sin. Here's the second lie. Y'all ready? ready? Write this down as letter B. And that is this, that sin frees us from God's restraints. Listen hmm. to how the passage continues. It says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death or obedience, to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. See, folks, uh, the second great lie that our sinful nature plays on us, get this, is that when you started your walk with Christ, before you were free, but now you're under the restraints of God. And yes, you know, you experience the blessings of God, and you do the whole church thing, and you're with God, but those moments when you kind of get out of that for just a moment, oh, that, that, that's Freedom, that, that you're experiencing momentary freedom. And so our sinful nature gets us to think this way, but here's the reality. The, the, but the, and the lie is that the moment that we are go out and go back to that sinful nature, to a sinful lifestyle, in our minds we think we're free for just a little bit. Oh, I'm free. I'm doing what I want. I'm giving in. Oh, I, I'm doing this fun thing, this pleasurable thing. And so in our minds, get this. We think that when we break off from God's restraints, that now it's momentary freedom. But can I tell you, it's not momentary freedom. It's momentary bondage. You see, every single time that you walk into that sin, listen, it's, you're not freedom. It's like you're going back into bondage. Every time you go back to the relationship that you know you shouldn't be in, it's like you going back into that bondage of sin. Every single time, listen, that you uh, hold in that anger, that bitterness, listen, you're going back to that bondage of sin. Every single time you go out with your buddies to hang out on the weekend for just the night, I'm going to hang out. Listen, child of God, you are going back into that bondage. So there has to be a moment where you don't get fooled by your sinful nature, but you start things clear for what it is. That every time you go back to that one thing, isn't it right? It's momentary bondage and not momentary freedom. And so be careful, child of God, that your view is not skewed by your sinful nature. 
So here's the thing. If, if sin is always going to lead us, right, through deception, how does God lead us? We'll write this down as big number three. Listen, God will lead you always through truth. Amen. And here's the first truth. Write this down as small letter A. The first truth that you need to embrace, listen, is that you have been set free from sin. In fact, let's do what God's word says. It says, for if, you, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, right? When we put our faith in Christ, we identify with the Lord in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from what? Sin. From sin. You know, just recently, as a nation, we uh, formalized June 19th as a day where we celebrate and we remember the last day that a person was enslaved here in America. It's a wonderful thing to know that every person could live a free life here in this country. But going back to that moment, even before that day, here's what happened. A phenomenon started taking place with these people who were leaving slavery. And here's a phenomenon. Even though they were free people, they were still acting like slaves. See, they would go to the grocery store, and they wouldn't shop around like free people. They would shop around like if they were enslaved. When they were uh, at home or going to sleep, they wouldn't sleep like free people. They would sleep like they were so enslaved. When they would talk to people, they wouldn't look people in the face it, like they were so enslaved. They would carry themselves and their life like they were living so enslaved. And can I tell you, it was an odd thing to see. To see people who were now free living and acting like they were slaves. Can I tell you, the same thing could happen to believers. We have been set free from sin, but so many of us may still act like we are enslaved to sin. And can I tell you, it's an odd thing to see. When a person who is in Christ, who's been set free from sin, when they come to a point where they're still living like they're enslaved to sin, is an odd thing to see. And you know what? You know what's funny about the whole situation? These people who try to, li you know, to, to live a balanced life, right? And here's the way that the mentality is. You know, I, I do a church on the, on the weekend. I do my church thing. I'm good with God. But in the week, I kind of do my own thing. And, you know, I, I got to give in to some of these things, right? So I, I go back to my old friends at work, my buddies, whatever. But, and so in their mind, get this. They're living, they have it all figured out. They do the church thing on the weekend with God. They do the thing where no one's looking. And they think they got it all figured out. But can I tell you, if that's who you are, you look odd. You look odd. And you look odd, first of all, to your worldly friends. Because the truth of the matter is that they see you, they know you go to church, you're a Christian. But then you're living kind of like them. And so they won't tell you, but can you tell you? Can I tell you, they look at you as odd. They look at you like you're odd. They might not tell to your face, but they're thinking it. 
And then your brothers and sisters in Christ at church, when they see you on social media, on that Instagram, on that TikTok, on Facebook, whatever the case may be, here's what happens. They see you here in the weekend, you're praising God, you have a t-shirt on, but then they see you on social media, what you're wearing, being provocative, living that life, going back to your old life. And can I tell you, you look odd to us too. And so in your mind, you think you've got it all figured out, but to everyone, you look odd because you are a free person living like you are enslaved. And so children of God, if you have been set free, live like free people, amen? Let's live like free people. Let's stop being odd and live like free people. Because you know what? The reason I'm so passionate about this, because that was me. When I first started my walk with Christ, I tried to do the well-balanced thing, and I realized I not only looked odd to everyone in my life, but I looked odd to my Savior. And so children of God, live like you are free. And here is the second truth that God leads us with. Write this down as letter B. You have been set free to be an instrument of good. Listen to what God's word says next. It says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for righteousness. Members meaning your body, who you are. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members and your body, who you are, to God as instruments of righteousness. In other words... What are you going to use this body that God gave you for? Is it for sin or is it for unrighteousness? you got to ask yourself. So, for example, you could be out on a Friday night living an ungodly life using your body for unrighteousness. Or you could be here on a Friday night serving the Lord, helping our students grow in their walk with Christ. Fathers, husbands, you could be out doing an irrelevant hobby or staying at home, I'm sorry, at work later than you, than you, than you should with that flirtatious coworker. You could be stay at work or you could get home early to your wife and your children and be the godly father that he's calling you to be. Amen. What are you going to use your body for? See, that, that's the question. Listen, you have been set free, child of God. What? To use your body for righteousness. Amen? Amen. And then write this down. Here's the third truth, the way that God leads you. You have been set free to avoid the sorrow of sin. In fact, listen to how this passage continues, which, by the way, is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. I don't know why, but I love this question. Listen to what it says. For when you were slaves of sin... You were free in regard to righteousness. But listen carefully to this question. But what fruit, but what results were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is what? Yeah. Is death. Now, man, you got to love the Apostle Paul. He's my boy, right? Because 
he poses a simple yet profound question. He says, hey, that life, those sinful things you were doing before, the question is, what were you getting out of all that? What, what, what was the result of all that? Pain, sorrow, discouragement, emptiness? That's the answer. So, for example, you know, when you, when you, when you got to that point where after a night of, you know, ungodly living, you came home and you woke up the next day. Listen, you didn't feel good the next day, did you? You felt empty the next day. You know, when you got into that argument with that family member or your spouse and you are just making statements to hurt them and hurt them and hurt them, how'd you feel after that fight? You felt good? No, you felt terrible. You felt sorrow. You saw the pain. You know, after you slept with that person who's not your husband or your wife, or you gave into that sin on the computer, how did you feel afterwards? You feel good? No, you didn't feel good. You feel empty, you feel sorrow, you feel pain. See, Paul's saying, what, what was the result of all that? Sorrow. So the question you need to ask yourself is, when you're being tempted to go back to that, what was the result of that? What is that going to end up with? It's nothing good, amen? amen? Only pain and sorrow. So let me end with this. You know, as the Star Wars film start winding down, you know, at least Darth Vader's story, we see that there is a moment where Darth Vader, after living a whole life of evil, technically, right, there was a powerful scene where he's actually battling his own son, Luke Skywalker. And in that scene, towards the end of that battle, it's interesting that he sees that the evil emperor is about to kill his own son. And so as you watch this next clip, just focus in Invader, Darth Vader, as he's almost like processing what was the result of all of his life. Take a look. So what you just saw there is really almost Vader's repentance when he surveyed his life and realized all the damage he's done to himself and to his family. And maybe right now you're watching right now one of our campuses, and the truth of the matter is that you almost kind of feel like Darth Vader. As you look around your family, you examine your own life, the hurt you've caused yourself, to your family, to your children. And you realize, you know what? It's time for me to get right with God. It's, it's time for me to leave this life behind and pursue the things of God. If that's where you are, listen to what God's word says. Next. But now that you have been set free from sin... 
and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's an eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, eternal death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, maybe wonder, well, Omar, I, I want that free gift of eternal life. How can I have it? Listen, one of the most famous Bible verses in God's Word says this, For God so loved the world, for so God so loved you, that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in him, put their faith in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So the question is, listen, God is extending you forgiveness and God is extending you a new life with him, eternal life. The question is, would you put your trust and your faith in him today? Let's bow our heads for prayer at all campuses. Father God, we come and we thank you, Lord, that my God, you are a God who has freed us from sin. And my prayer for so many of us, including myself, is that in our life we would pursue righteousness and resist our sinful nature until we see you face to face, oh God. And for the rest of eternity, we will be with you. But for those of us who are here today and are ready to take that step of faith, listen, in a few moments, I, I want to lead you through a prayer. And it's not a poem. We always like to remind you it's not a poem or a script. It's just me trying to help you connect with your Heavenly Father, to talk to your Heavenly Father. And so when you pray this prayer, you don't pray this to me, okay? You pray this to the guy who loves you, who, who died for you, to pay for your sins, and has a future lined up for you. So you pray this to him. Father, today I come before you, and I realize, oh Lord, that destruction, the pain, the sorrow of sin. And so today, Lord, I come and I confess my sin before you. I ask you for forgiveness of sin and to put my trust and my faith in you, O Lord, and only you. And Father, for the rest of my life, I pray that you give me that eternal life you promised and that I will be able to live a life that honors you. I want to be used for righteousness. I want to pursue your things. So, Lord, even though I may not be perfect, help me, Lord, as I move forward. Thank you, O oh God, for saving me today. I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for those of us who prayed that prayer at all of our campuses and online? Listen, if you prayed that prayer, it's a glorious day for you to stop to, from, light, from darkness to light. And so here's what I want to challenge you. It's easy just to go to the car, but I want to encourage you, stop by our Next Step booth on your way out, all right? It will be an easy way for us to connect with you briefly. We have a Bible for you. We got a little, some things for you. And it helps one of our pastors connect with you and help you in your journey now with the Lord. Or if you're watching online, simply go to our website, cfmiami.org slash connect. And there, fill that form out, and one of our pastors will reach out to you, all right? 
Well, listen, be back next week, Captain America Civil War next week. And we're going to learn, all right, how when we are in war with the people that we love, how we can strive for peace. Very practical, very powerful. Be sure to be back next week. I love you all. Have a great, great day. I'm going to call all campus pastors up front. God bless you.